Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and pollywogs dreaming of their swimming and jumping legs. Live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan. Guess what? It's Thursday at 3 o'clock and time for Tea with BBP. Hello everyone, I'm your host, BBP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, your very own international superstar and diva of SLA. With me today is the fantabulous Angelica Kramer. Angelica, say hi to everybody, please. Einen wunderschönen guten Donnerstag. Oh, I'm not going to do the Walter and try to imitate that. <laughs> you should, though. I'll have his Gutstock at the end or something like that. Yeah, what, there you go. Was that, was that what you said? <laughs> Donnerstag, Thursday. Oh, Donnerstag. Oh, okay. I got I to gotta get with the program. I, I just, I, my excuse, I just got out of an hour and a half of teaching and that kind of stuff, and I'm tired. I haven't <laughs> had my afternoon espresso. But. Anyway, Walter's away this week, if you couldn't guess, and we have no idea where he is. He's probably consulting on some political campaign. Or maybe he's yeah, on a, no kidding, right? That yeah. is on a shopping bender in New York. Can you imagine Walter on a shopping <laughs> bender in New York, you know, with a credit card on Fifth Avenue? I could just see it. He's, like, he, he's the only person I know would go to New York and go to the Gap. You know, like, <laughs> go to Saks Fifth Avenue. Go to Barney's. No, he'll go to the Gap on Fifth uh -huh. Avenue. So, okay. Anyway, we love Walter. But in this stead, we have two fantastic and special guests with us in the studio today. We have Carol Gobb and Justin Slocum Bailey. Say hi, kids. Hi, kids. Hi. Yeah, see, there. It's just like having Walter, okay? <laughs> Carol. I'll gladly be your punching bag in Walter's absence. Uh, okay, you're uh, going to be my new uh, volleyball, right? <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> so, Carol, say hi to everybody um, and tell them who you are. Hi, I'm, I'm Carol, and I've been an ESL and a Spanish teacher for 25 years. Wow, my gosh. Don't you own your own company or something, too? I do. What's your company? Tell us about your company real quick. Uh, well, we are a publisher of... Uh, readers, leveled readers for, you know, compelling input for beginning to intermediate language students. Well, isn't that just interesting because mm -hmm. that's related to our topic today. We'll get back to that later. Justin, how about you? Tell everybody out there in the, in the viewing, no, the listening audience. My God, see how tired I am. I'm so <laughs> tired. Tell everybody out there, uh, what does you do? I love languages and I love people both so much that I help people learn languages more joyfully and successfully. He's a language lover, not a land lover. He's a language lover. So what, what does it mean to love languages? Like, what, what is it? I mean, like, you love, have you ever broken the heart of a language? <laughs> <laughs> many, many languages have broken mine, <laughs> but I'm recovering. You're recovering. <laughs> no, I love that when people say, because I love languages too. That's why I'm a linguist. I just, languages as systems, I mean, I grew up with two and they just fascinate me because, you know, I have dogs. I've had dogs my entire life and animals and I'm a, Big believer that that as a species we share so much with almost all other species. Maybe not so much caterpillars and worms, but but like dogs and cats and chimpanzees and monkeys and other kinds of apes other than chimpanzees. You know, you can see emotions, you see all kinds of things. But language is constantly the one thing that separates us from all the other species. Nobody has language, so we we can't take it for granted. So I'm glad you're a language lover, Justin. That's great. Okay, a couple of announcements before we jump into things here. Um, I want to remind everybody that April is the month for our meme contest. So if you have not sent in your BVP meme, 
then you need to do that. Go to teawithbvp.com, and Luca has put up all the information there that you need to enter the meme contest. We've got a few coming in so far, maybe like five or six coming in. They are a riot. So you've got to get your memes in. I know it's only, what, halfway through the month? What, what day is this? 14th? Yes, halfway, halfway through the month of April. So you've got a couple weeks left. Um, and uh, so go to teawithbvp.com and look at the instructions for getting your memes in. A little later in the episode today, we're going to announce the winners of our March contest. What was our March contest, Angelica? Get your tea swag on. Your tea swag, yeah. So stay tuned. We'll do that about halfway through the show. We'll let people know. We have three winners. We're excited about that. We had good entries for that, so we'll take care of that. I just threw a piece of paper on the floor. Isn't that I fabulous like when I do that? Uh, it was. I just, just like, like, it I fell saw, on my toe, Bill, and it really hurt. Uh-huh, yeah, right. I saw Rachel Maddow do that. I always fashion myself like Rachel Maddow. When she takes that paper and she crosses on it, she throws it on the floor. Anyway, so if y'all don't know who Rachel Maddow is, you should. She's a national treasure. She should be in the Smithsonian. Not, I mean, <laughs> live, not dead, not live, but okay. Anyway, this week our topic is the principle number four for contemporary language teaching, and that principle is one of the main jobs of a teacher is to provide appropriate level input and interaction. We'll get into that later, but for now, the number to reach us is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Emma Dunn, our fantastic intern, is on the phone lines waiting for you to call. Um, you can also mixlerize us with your comments. Um, Angelica is looking at those things. Um, the e- we don't have Wally here, Walter. Well, I call him Wally for short. We don't have Walter um, doing a Gmail. I have it open, but it's hard for me to do all the things I do and look at the email at the same time. We have the emails already sent in. Um, so try not to send us the email during the show um, uh, because it probably will not get looked at. We have the ones you've already sent in, those we've got. Um, but remember, what kind of show is this? It is a radio call-in show. Exactly. So what are they supposed to do, Carol? Call in. And? Ask show. a question. Talk to us or yeah. make a comment, right? We want to hear your voices, right? So look, Carol flew all the way from Phoenix just so she could yeah. talk to us. My gosh. Well, was I supposed to call in? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you could. I prefer to have you here live. And Justin drove all the way from Ann Arbor. Look at that. How far is Ann Arbor away again? One hour and two minutes by car. One hour and two <laughs> minutes by car. There you go. Do you drive fast or slow? I drive just right. You d- nice. Nice. See, he doesn't want to get caught uh-huh. on the air. Uh-huh. On the way home, when those cops follow him. Anyway, so don't be shy. Pick up the phone and call us. Carol, Justin, I are on Gellick. would love to talk to you. The number again is 517-884-4321. And if you don't want to talk about input and interaction, that's fine. We'll let you go off topic. I know some of you out there are still stuck on the definition of communication. I'm happy to deal with that. And it ties into our topic anyway today. So whatever you want to talk about is fine. But we will get off. To st- we will get started in a minute with uh, input interaction. And don't forget our quizzes. Um, we have the two quizzes today, our SLA challenge quiz or the Diva challenge quiz. Um, and our SLA challenge quiz is about what? Can you guess what it's about today? Guess I wonder what? if it's about guess what? Input? Hey! Yes. So uh, those of you out there who are input <laughs> experts, call in, and you can take that quiz and win yourself some lucky tea with BBP like merchandise. If you're, if you're in the input expert business. Exactly. Input expert business. You know, if you're down in Costa Rica <laughs> doing your input and exports, then yeah, you can do that. Or input experts. What did you say? Uh, carry on. <laughs> oh. Karaoke? Is that what you say? I'll sing, I'll sing some karaoke. You must remember this. Okay. So call in and let Emma know what you want to do if you want to do the SLA quiz or the Diva Challenge quiz. And we got the Diva Challenge quiz is a good one, too. Nobody takes me up on those. It's all about Barbara Streisand. 
So there you go. Those are our two quizzes for the day. You know, maybe Walter will call in and do the <laughs> quiz today. Wouldn't that be something? But he he will need the Mixler lifeline. Oh, if he I takes true. the diva quiz. No oh way. my gosh! Can you imagine Walter taking the diva quiz on the phone? <laughs> Walter, if you're out there listening, call in. We want you to take the diva quiz. I wonder where I hope he, he is. I hope he calls pretending to be someone else. Oh, we'd recognize his voice, wouldn't we? Yeah. Or we yeah, could the, go, the, the Wilson. The, the Wilson, the is that you, Wilson? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, my! I don't. I, I think Walter would have a hard voice to, to disguise. I really do think that, but. You never know. Eric already posted the answers to the SLA challenge on Mixler. Okay, Eric. I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> Eric, right now. Stop lurking around a Mixler and call in. I know you're shy about calling in, Eric, but that's okay. Call in. And it, Eric, if you don't want to say, if you want to ask a question or talk, just call in and tell us how much you love us, Eric, because we love you too. So just do that. Okay. So let's, should we drop it? Blah, 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 blah. I need a drink of water. Hold on. You talk for a minute, Angelica. While Bill is um, drinking tea, how's life, Carol? Life is pretty pretty good, you know. Um, I've really received a lot of good, compelling, comprehensible input today. I learned uh, about the rules that Bill breaks, also, but I won't. <laughs> I won't stoop to the level and share his. My last open book is probably out there on a blog post somewhere. You know what, Bill? <laughs> Not yet. It's scheduled for next week. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I'll know well where done. it came from then. Uh, okay, well, let's, get, let's go ahead and jump into the topic. Um, the topic, as I said, is our principle number four, which is one of the main jobs of a teacher is to provide appropriate level input interaction. And, and this principle is probably no surprise to anyone out there. Uh, and I bet at least two people are wondering why I use the term appropriate level as opposed to comprehensible. Very simple pimple, as Karen Walker would say on Will and Grace. Ever see that episode? She goes, very simple pimple. <laughs> um, I use the term appropriate level as opposed to comprehensible because the adjective goes with both input and interaction. Uh -huh. So appropriate level input and appropriate level interaction. And if you're providing appropriate level input, you're automatically providing comprehensible input, right? Um, because we can't provide comprehensible interaction. That's not what we say. We say appropriate interaction, appropriate level interaction. So I just combine it together, say appropriate level, and that let comprehensible be soaked up with appropriate level for the input part. Um, and, and, and by what I mean, I think we all kind of know what comprehensible input and what appropriate level input in. We can get into that later. But um, by appropriate level interaction, uh, I'm talking about the expectations we have of what learners can do and cannot do at a given time. And that how we structure the discourse in the classroom, the kinds of the tasks we structure have to be appropriate, not just for the level of comprehension, but also for the level of output, if, if that's even going to happen in class, depending on what our activities are. Now, everybody out there knows that this is a major role of the teacher, right, that you're supposed to provide input interaction, particularly input. But I can't tell you how many people are not sure what this means. Um, it, I, I deal with this principle in my language teaching course, and I hear people talk about it in the profession. I go to conferences. I hear it in the hallways. I see people talk about it at papers and so on. But when I observe classes and when I go to those talks and, and really watch and listen to what people are saying, I'm not sure I see this principle put into practice. And I think there's a reason for this. And Carol and I were talking about this in the hallway earlier. It has to do with models. I think the idea of comprehensible input and appropriate level input has been around for how long in, in contemporary language teaching? Crash and, well, technically, I can't, I can't there's, a, there's a quiz item on this, so I'm not going to say what I was going to uh. say. 
<laughs> That's why I held back. I had a so feeling. So I will say, I will say this. I will say this. The one person we most associate with the term is, of course, Steve Krashen. Mm-hmm. And he started talking about it as early as 1974, 75. Um, and so it's been around quite a long time. The problem is, is that there's always a huge lag between theory and research on language acquisition and practice. And so there's not a lot of models out there for people to go see. Um, and, and, for, and particularly for new teachers who are coming in through the ropes of teacher education, teacher training. So they don't know what that means because they probably took a, their last Spanish class or Chinese class or French class. They remember sitting down and filling in blanks, right? And they were probably memorizing vocabulary and memorizing lists. And then they went to an AP class. And, and you know, and those are all fine things um, for, for particular kinds of goals, but not for acquisition, not for communication. And so um, there's not a lot of models out there for contemporary language teaching still. So I think that's what the issue is, is why it's such a challenge to get input interaction that's appropriate um, for the classroom. Um, another thing I think, that, uh, and this will be my last point I make, well, it's, these two points are related. Um, uh, another thing I think is difficult in putting this into practice is that when people hear the term input, they often think it's a technique. And so what they try to do, and this is natural human behavior, right? What do we do when we learn something new? We take the old thing and we layer it upon, we take the new thing and we layer it upon our old cognitive structure, right? Or we, we, we try to ha- somehow make what we're learning fit into what we already know. And so what a lot of people do is take input and say, it's a technique for teaching what I've been teaching all along. So if, if I'm used to teaching present tense in one chapter and the past tense in the next chapter and object pronouns in the next chapter and so on, then input becomes my, instead of drills, now I use input to teach those things. Um, and so input becomes a technique rather than what I refer to it as is simply the complex data set that learners need to get exposed to, the necessary and complex data set. So, so I think that's part of the issue too. Uh, and so people get frustrated because then they go at the end of the year and my students can't, they don't know as much about the, they can't take this test on the past tense or they can't do, well it's because you're treating it like a technique, and that's not what it's meant to be, and so on. Um, and again, this all goes back to what I said very early on when we started exploring these principles, is, is when we tend to see ourselves as language teachers as opposed to something else. As long as we call ourselves language teachers, we're always going to be trying to teach language and isolate bits of languages. And we need to start thinking more and more about the classroom as a place for communication, some kind of communication. Um, and the more we see ourselves doing that, the more we can free ourselves up and not see input and interaction as techniques, but just as natural components of communicating in the classroom context. I'm going to stop there because I've been talking a lot. And I'm going to throw another piece of paper on the floor like Rachel Maddow. There we go. Well Ouch. done. Oh. Well done. Yeah. You like that? Very dramatic. They're very dramatic. I like it. Very dramatic. I wish you all could see this. <laughs> we have the diva cam on today, but it's taking still shots. You can't actually see what we're doing. <laughs> so anyway, so I don't know if you guys have... Justin, Carol, do you want to react to anything I just said before we start seeing if there's any phone calls or anything on the Mixler that we want to address? I think just in terms of that whole input being misinterpreted or comprehensible input being misinterpreted as a technique or, or a an approach, I think that part of it is... Um, teachers are labeled CI teachers. Oh, well, you use CI. And, and so there's this misinterpretation that, yeah, we use CI as, you know, the input we provide, this data set that we're providing students for the purpose of acquisition and communication. Um, P- 
people misinterpret that and, and they make it a strategy. And I think that that also comes down to TPRS because many teachers who are labeled, quote, CI teachers are also TPRS teachers. And the whole notion of calling them CI teachers came up to reflect the fact that most TPRS teachers are using other approaches that are CI-based. Right, right. Just remind everybody real quick what TPRS stands for. Uh, teaching proficiency through reading and storytelling. Exactly. Good. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. And so um, it, that's always, I, 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 this hit me this last summer when I went to a talk and I heard somebody talking about teaching grammar through input. And I went, whoa, what does that mm -hmm. mean? And then, and then I, and Donna made people, a lot of people think input is a technique, and it's not. It's actually, it's a way of life. And that's how languages are learned, through complex data sets they get when you're talking about topics, not grammar points. But, okay. Well, we've got a caller on the phone already, so let's take the caller, um, and then maybe we'll get back to Justin and see what he has, wants to say about that. We have uh, Darren on the phone. Darren, are you on the phone? I'm here. Hello. Hey, Darren. Welcome to Tea with BBP. How you doing? Good. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Oh my gosh, this is just like the, the real radio. FTC LTL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, you know, I, I've called in before. I just wanted to say something like that. Um, <laughs> so tell but, us about um, the campaign trail for Walter for president. Um, he's uh, kind of it's slow in the polls. You know, he still has um, you know quite a few states together, a couple more delegates, but. Um, <laughs> There's hope. You know, he's a, he's always he, been uh, a late on, surger. Yeah, he's a late surger. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as he keeps sending out those um, generic emails looking for $3 donations and things like that, you know. <laughs> Darren, right, anyway, remind us, where are you calling from, Darren? Uh, beautiful St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Ah, St. Clair, <laughs> yes. Well, what'd you call in for? Why didn't you just drive like the rest of us? Really? You could have just been here in the studio, Darren. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Yeah, right. You know, well, sometime maybe I can come in if you like. I'll you just, uh, you know, sit, sit and listen. It's like, uh, it's only like two hour drive or something like yeah, that. Yeah, come uh, and visit us on a Thursday. That's what Carol and, Carol and Justin have been here all day. So, and, and Carol's <laughs> staying through to tomorrow, so. Oh, well, cool. I'll, I'll call in sick sometime before the end of the school year and come on out. Oh, don't call in sick. <laughs> what you do is you or, just... No, no, a scheduled absence. <laughs> we just call it a scheduled absence. Ah, uh, no, no. You just yeah. What you do is you just leave and leave a note saying, I'm fed up. And then, <laughs> and then come back the next day and go, just kidding. <laughs> uh, right. No, Darren, you know I'm not advocating that. I would never advocate yeah. that. that. No, of course not. And but, I, wouldn't um, advocate yeah, I wouldn't advocate faking illness either to take the day off either, but... You right. could call it a professional day. You could say, can I take right. a professional day? Because that's what right. you would be doing. Right, professional development. Yeah, you know. I could write you a um, note. <laughs> well, uh, sweet. Okay. Um, I know, I know but, I'm sweet. Uh, I know I'm sweet. Thank you. Oh, oh you meant writing the note would be sweet. Okay, I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to say hi to Carol. Uh, I, I, um, that's, that's cool. Welcome to Michigan. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, I remember seeing you at the... Um, you know, the My Willa, you know, Michigan Language Conference um, a couple years back, and you were the keynote speaker. That was the first time I saw you. And, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, actually, I, I was maybe a workshop presenter. I've, I've not bestowed the honor of being a keynote at My Willa. I'm just waiting for that day. It's one of the goals in my life. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right. Okay. You, yeah. Now, now I remember. Duly now noted. You were, yeah. Duly that was a nice sneak in, though, Darren. Uh -huh. Does there, for everybody who does not get the joke, Angelic is on the board of directors for the Myrwell of the Michigan World Language Association. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, we, we got that. We know what's going on. So, well, okay. So, are you calling in other than to just say hi to Carol? Or you got a comment for us or a question? Well, no, no, no. Or well, yeah, I did have a question. Um, as far as um, 
let's see what, you know, I, I do TPRS stuff and I usually create the stories from scratch and I, you know, I base it off of these, um, you know, whatever the unit is in a textbook or something like that. And um, so I create a couple stories for um, whatever the topic is that we're uh, dealing with. And that kind of led me to a question I'll maybe ask another time. But um, uh, so the topic today was about appropriate level, um, you know, input. And, and I talked to, you know, there's quite a few colleagues out, you know, in Michigan that I talked to in regards to, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we listen to your show and we comment on it. And I, I, I kind of wonder, you know, there's this Facebook page out there as well, which you might be aware of, um, that uh, uh, people share their ideas and they send links. And I'm always looking at this stuff. And I just wonder sometimes do maybe comprehensible, you know, CI teachers maybe sometimes go a little too far in which they might not have like any kind of structure in their, you know, for their lesson that they figure, well, you know, it's all in Spanish. That's good enough. You know, it's all input. You know, there's not any kind of, you know, the story or whatever they're doing is not topic related. For example, like there was like a link I saw the other day about um, some teacher doing something with a dragon that lives in a house made of Donald Trump's hair. Or there's well, another that would, one that would explain Brad. why it's orange. It's on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. So, oh, my God, his hair's on fire. Go ahead. <laughs> or, or another one where I saw something about the whole input was based on Brad Pitt's toenails. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, okay. you know, I just, I, I kind of wonder, like, well, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but how often do we, you know, are we going to talk about some sort of, you know, mystical you know, beast or animal living in somebody's hair. You well, know, Darren, I was going to really... ask you if you clipped your toenails today. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, toenails don't, um, you know, they, they take a little while to grow out. I think like two weeks ago, I think. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, do you, I mean, is that, I mean, I guess maybe some teachers might have to, you know, rethink that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, can we just basically every time the kids come into class every day, we just go ahead and, you know, just, start on something as long as it's in the target language and that's it. Well, well, Darren, let me ask you this before we, we, we get into that discussion. When those teachers post that stuff on the, on the Facebook page, <clears throat> do they actually say why they do that or do they talk about the stuff that's the context that it's in or anything like that? Or do they um, just say, this is what I did? Uh, not that I can recall at the moment. I mean, these were like links that another colleague gave to me and I looked at it for a minute and it, I don't think there was any kind of rationale put in, into it. It was uh-huh. just you know, what the lesson was about. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I mean, maybe, you know, when she gave it to me, she didn't, you know, we both didn't, like, see maybe that there was a rationale in there or not. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, there's rationale and there's purpose. So we're going to talk about those things. Um, it, it seems to me that everything somebody does in class, not everything, not, I mean, because, you know, 24-7, we talked about this earlier today, you can't have something 24-7. Uh, but for the most part, you should have a reason why you're doing something, Right. Um, and, and the reason could be, for example, I need to keep my students' interest, which is always a good reason for things. So is the dragon and Donald Trump's hair going to keep their interest? Okay, yeah. So that's one, that's a rationale. But then what's missing is a purpose. And so, so when, I'm get, when I'm done with this, what am I going to do with this? What are they going to do with this story or this information they get out of this dragon living in Donald Trump's hair? Um, does it take us anywhere? Um, and so, for example, if you look at the standard kinds of stories and things people might do, um, they're all relatable because you can talk about 
um, for example, the first TPRS book I read was the one Carol gave me was, you know, Brandon Wants a Dog, right? And right. so that's chock full of things that are relatable to a person's real life about what people's wants are. I mean, I could use that at the sure. university level. And even though it's about Brandon wanting a dog, at the end of that first thing, we're talking about who in here wants a dog? Well, what do you want instead? Do you, do you want a t- self? Do you want a new cell phone? And, and so you can, you can, you can go back because you're, there's, there's something you're getting at depending on what your purpose is. Um, and so I think that's what I would ask these people is I would say that's great if you're trying to maintain interest. But without some other larger purpose, you're, you're, you may wind up having a disjointed thing. And after a while, your students are going to go, why are we just? Why are we talking about these things? But I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I deal with adults. I don't deal with K through twelve. So sometimes, you know, eight year olds might be able to go along a little further than uh, you know for a longer time than a twenty year old. Right. I don't know. Uh, but then you right. get adolescents, and I don't know about adolescents. I'd be going like, "Yo, bro, why are we talking about this in class?" So I mean, right. it, it's you know. But again, I don't know without the context, those people might have something they want to say about that. So I don't, I'm, too, I'm too reticent to criticize them too much, but I would ask the question. I would, if I were you, I'd say get on the Facebook page and say, you know, what's your rationale, what's your purpose for doing this so I can understand better why you're using this material? Right, right. And you have to understand that everybody has their own, their own personality. Everyone has their own interests. And, and what one first person might find appealing or, or compelling to teach, another person probably would never dream of teaching the same lesson. So I think instead of, uh, just like Bill said, instead of focusing on the story, focus on the purpose. And if the purpose was to facilitate some, you know, some communication sure. or the ability to communicate about some topic or something afterwards, then we can't criticize anyone for their topic or their story if all students come out with the same result, that they are all able to communicate about a topic, even if we wouldn't teach it or use the same platform to deliver. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean... All right. Anything else, Darren? Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I don't want to take away from anyone else at the moment, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, thanks for always taking my calls. I really appreciate it, and, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's it. I don't know. Well, as they say in the biz, you have a lovely phone voice, Darren, so you can call at any time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't compare to the international superstar language acquisition like yourself. <laughs> well, I don't know. I sound like, when I listen to myself, I always think sound like a chipmunk on speed or something, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but, um, but, but anyway, so but thank you for saying that. Okay, Darren, have a great right, day. Darren. Next and, time you get to be a second-time caller. Yeah, you go. Exactly. Well, I think he's already exactly. at least like a yeah. third-time caller. Mm-hmm. I think what he needs to do is just, I think he just needs to drive up here and see us so okay before uh, okay but bye darren bye darren all right take care thanks, thanks everyone in. bye darren uh, that's an interesting call i mean you know again i think carol's right about the purpose you just when somebody puts something out you cannot know what's in their minds and and you know, that's why yep. i said you just got to ask them what their rational purpose is because otherwise we don't know what they're doing within class where it's going maybe i could talk about a dragon and donald trump's hair because i'm getting at the issue of Things that live inside of us could be, and most likely, if it's if it's TPRS, like Darren uh, was saying, then those details were things the students themselves chose, not something yeah. the teacher chose. Uh, exactly for a, for a story that was being told. Right, right. And you could talk about what kinds of things live in people's hair, <laughs> you know, like you know, or actually, just what kinds of things live inside of us, you know. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, what lives in your hair? Nothing lives in my hair, <laughs> but I have a lot of things that live inside of me. I have a lot of demons. See how I went from dragons 
to, to demons, demons to living inside of Your internal conflict. See how that works? Mm-hmm. Wow, Angelica, that's see? scary. It is scary, isn't it? I, I just moved a little bit away from you. There you go, oh, man. Uh-huh. 25 years on the couch. <laughs> and I'm not talking watching TV. <laughs> oh, okay, before we announce our, uh, our T-Swag winners for the month of March, um, let's go. Do we have anything on Mixler? Do we have anything on the email? Let's look at our email comments and see what there is. Justin, what do you got? You're looking at stuff there. Anything there you want to bring up? From, sure. So uh, this is this is actually uh, from uh, from a Twitter feed. If that's okay, it's kind of like email. They both involve pressing buttons and screens. This is from Stephanie uh, in response to T with BVP's uh, tweeted question. How would you sum up the instructor's role in one tweet? And uh, Ooh, yeah. like a like a good teacher, instead of just answering, she told a story. Somehow she fit it in this, in this tweet. Maybe it was a screenshot. She said, best compliment this week. A student tells me, Mrs., you know, I don't really feel like you're the teacher and we're the students. It's like we're your apprentices because one day we'll be able to speak Spanish on our own. It's like we're your Jedi Knights. Oh, I love that. Awesome. awesome. Maybe yeah. the student had pad ones. Yes, I love those Jedi Knight students. I like that. So she's Yoda. Maybe we're all Yodas, right? Oh, there we go. Yeah. I like that. We're all Yodas. And you know, we said we shouldn't call ourselves teachers anymore, but right. maybe we should stop calling students students and call them apprentices. Yeah. There you go. Yodas I and apprentices. A language apprentice. I think it would be if we keep the... Fair enough. The, oh, the, the theme of Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Um, and actually, I read. I was reading a book on tasks today. I was showing it to Carol in my office. It's not a book. It's actually the annual the yearly annual review of applied linguistics publication. And it's all about tasks in the classroom. And there's one chapter about the role of the teacher, or one article about the role of the teacher. And one of the headings that drew my attention, I haven't read it yet, the, the actual article, one of the headings was um, the role of mediating language learning. Mm. And so uh, this person is arguing, I think, or maybe arguing, again, I haven't read it, so I'm going to put words in this person's mouth, that, w- that we're not really language teachers. We actually mediate language learning. Hmm. Yep. I kind of like that. I'm a mediator. Yep. You know, mediators get, get, get paid good money, you know, like they're like judges. <laughs> well, right? then we can't be called them. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. I'd love, if, if I may, I'd love to tie, tie this idea that, that Stephanie's students had about the Jedi Knights and the Padawans to the theme of today's show, which is teachers providing appropriate level input. Uh, I've never been in, in, in Jedi training, but I get the impression from, uh, from the lore that the training that's, that's being provided is, is exactly what those specific trainees need in, at that moment and that, that point in their, their journey towards um, Je- Jediism. Sure. What is it? Mm-hmm. Jediism? Jediica. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the teacher, if I, if I can use the term just for, uh, for tradition's just sake. Just say the Yoda. The teacher, the, the Yoda. In, in, a, in a language classroom, the teacher is really the only one who can provide, who can know exactly what the appropriate input is, but not just in terms of level, but in terms of interest as well for those specific students. There are all kinds of resources out there and teachers can, can curate those things, but, the, but the, the, the teacher in a class is the only person on the planet who can provide input that's geared exactly towards what those students need, not just at what their general proficiency level it is, but based on how they're doing that, how with it they are on that day, how into it they are on that day, um, and, and what, what topics they're interested in at the moment. And so the, the, the teacher has a really powerful role there, knowing this. And then I say that, I say that to teachers all the time, not to put pressure on them, but really to empower them. Hey, you can't, you can talk about whatever is going on at whatever the appropriate level is uh, for that day, because you're the only one on the planet uh, 
who knows your students in that way. No, no textbook publisher knows that, uh, and no, no other no other creator of resources knows that. You know, I, I always do this, and so thank you, Justin, because I'm going to hark back to this, but I always remind people that there's not a lot of difference between second language acquisition and first language acquisition. And so why do, I mean, parents talk to kids about what kids are interested in, okay? Parents don't talk to the two-year-old, three-year-old about politics. They talk to, you know, where's your truck? Let's get, you know, oh, you want to play, you want to play with it? Okay, well, go get your set. We'll play with it right now. Um, or if they're story aloud reading with kids, they go to the Barnes and Nobles for a picture book or whatever, and they go, oh, I think Betsy would like this book. Or they take the kid with them and they go, let's look at the books. Which ones? And the kid picks out a book. So I like these pictures. Read me this book. And so, um, and so what you're saying is not that far from that either in the sense that the way kids drive the interest and, and, and what, the, what parents and caretakers deliver as language and interaction to kids. Teachers have that same role. The Yodas have that same role. Our job is to find out those things that are level appropriate, inputs appropriate, topic appropriate, um, and all that kind of stuff, and interactionally appropriate. So um, I, I, you know, there's, I think people often miss that first language, second language connection. It's, it's, just, it's just there. I know I, I'm going to get calls about that or emails, watch, but, but it, it's there. I, I get a lot of questions, too. People will say, well, what book should I read with level one? And I always tell them, well, I honestly don't know. Here are, here are 12 options. I don't know your students. I don't know their interest. I don't really know, you know anything about them. I don't know their previous language experience, et cetera, et cetera. Read the books and find out for yourself. You get to know your students, and that's the key right there mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. getting to know your students, mm-hmm. know their interests. Yep, yep, yep. And sometimes you miss the mark, but that's okay. It's called living and learning from that. Okay, well, I guess we'll go ahead. It's time, I'm getting the signal here, that it's time to announce the winners of Get Your Tea Swag On. Should we do that? Should Mm -hmm. I do that? We had some fabulous winners for the Get Your Tea Swag contest on. So I will name them in alphabetical order of last name. So I'm going to name them first, and I'm going to say a brief hey, thing I about each Hey, I thought we one. don't do last names. But we have to because they were... You could still do it in alphabetical order by last name and not say the last name. I like that. So you don't want me to say their last names? I don't know. They submitted them as a contest. I thought that was, you know... I, I think I think for show. this, last names are fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> producers, <laughs> producers, do I give last names? I'm getting thumbs up, give last names. Okay, because these people submitted for a contest, so they want to they be recognized for their work. Okay, so they are in alphabetical order of last name. Drum roll, please. God, y'all are so good. Number one, Jason Fritz. Yay! Hey, go, Jason. Number two, Allison Lewis. Yeah, hey, Allison. Allison. And not in any order, I'm just listening one, two, three. Courtney Parkinson. Okay, so Jason produced a whopping. Are you ready for this? This has got Mm. Luca will be putting these up. You'll see these on our site in the next couple of days. Jason produced a whopping two minute and thirty second slideshow to music. What? Um, It's a must see. Quite fantastic. And the music is what's the? Anybody remember the music? Oh, goodness, I don't. It's it, it, T for two. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a, a cha-cha version of T for two. And so it's really, really good. So it's really fun. Allison did something unique, too. Allison wrote a review for a journal. She wrote a review of T with BVP. 
And as for the Illinois TESOL bi- uh, bilingual education quarterly newsletter, it just got accepted. Nice. Awesome. It was a very flattering. I, I love the review. It was very nice. I, I, we didn't she, didn't. she didn't win because it was flattering. She won for her efforts and because of what it was. And so it was very good. So Allison, good for you. And then Courtney posted an advertisement on the on her Facebook page, not on her Facebook page, but on the Facebook page French teachers in the U.S. Um, and what that did is, it, I, I, I don't know if viral is the word, but it really propagated, and her post was well-received. She had lots of likes and lots of sharings and, and repostings of her um, of her um, comments about Tea with BBP. So all three of those people Fantastic. deserve a big round of applause. Nice. Yep. Let's Woo-hoo. give a round of applause. Thank you, thank so you. So congrats. Each will receive a tea swag prize consisting of the following. See, if you had participated, you could have won this. So think about this, because this may happen um, for our meme contest. So each will receive a tea swag prize consisting of a tote bag, what? a tote bag, coasters, all these with our BVP logo on them, buttons that say tea with BVP, and our brand new, they'll get a set of sticky post-it notes. Wow. So you can stick them wow. on your papers. And Not you just can the post-it notes you can't stick, the actual sticky ones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sticky wow. Make sure to wow. yeah, get sticky I love, ones. I just in case you didn't know what they were, I had to throw sticky in there. So sticky And, and tea and, bags. And tea bags, yes. Wow. Angelica had tea bags made, and they actually say tea with BBP. They had a little teacup logo on them, too. So Even though they're not Earl Grey. They're not Earl Grey, but that's okay. Next time. I would still drink the tea in them. I would do, but you know, I, my preference, as people know, is Earl Grey. So anyway, so you get those five neat things. And so those of you who are entering the meme contest um, can be competing for that prize as well at the end. Um, okay. So again, Luca will tweet and post information starting tomorrow. No, it's tomorrow, Friday. Yeah, tomorrow. Um, and share those entries with you, and you'll be able to see what they did. They'll all be online for you to look at. So yay. Okay, good. Oh, my God. I just got a news flash. We have someone who wants to take the SLA challenge. Fantastic. Right. Uh, there's Amanda from mm, Amanda from mm, Amanda, are you on the line? <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here. Hey, Amanda from mm, How are you doing? Good. You're welcome to Tea with BBP. Thank you. Does everybody out there know why I'm going Amanda from mm? I'm not sure if you're trying to protect my privacy or if you're not sure how to pronounce it. No. It's just <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played, Amanda. Well, I know it's not Mississippi. That's m. And I know, I know it's not. No, that's Michigan. Man- <laughs> Manitoba? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not Mississippi. That would be Ms. No, it's Mi- you're from Minnesota, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, because it's not Maine. Maine would be me. Not me, me, but, you know, me. Okay. So anyway, so <laughs> it's Amanda from mm. Okay, Amanda, so you're going to take the SLA Challenge quiz? Yes, I am. Oh, awesome. Are you ready? Do you have your Mixler account open? You got so? this, Amanda. I yeah, do. You do. Okay, good. So, well, Justin and Carol will give you a lifeline here, too. They'll, okay. Okay. Um, ooh, I got. Oh, I just realized there's one kind of maybe sort of tough one in here, but I'll do. I'll do that one. I'll do that one for last. Okay. 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 So, um, question number one. Although Krashen, you heard this earlier, coined the term comprehensible, comprehensible input, the idea of input itself was first articulated in an essay titled "The Significance of Learners' Errors," published in 1967. Who wrote this essay? Was it A, S. Pitt Corder, B, Susan Gass, C, Bill Van Patten, D, Barry Goldwater? 
I knew this before you gave the option. That was quarter. <laughs> yes, but quarter. Ding, 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 ding. Good for you. Yes. Awesome. Confident caller. Uh-huh. No. And, and I, I cited him in my thesis. Oh, nice. oh nice. we got nice. a Rick. Oh, now I'm going to move you to the PhD level questions, right? I'm going to give you two. Uh-huh. Just kidding you. Okay, well, good for you. Okay, you're on your way to winning something. Okay. Um, number two, which of the following does not espouse, does not, capital N-O-T, which of the following does not espouse a significant role for input in language acquisition? A, sociocultural theory. B, universal grammar. C, usage-based theories. D, the international superstar and diva theory of input <laughs> processing. Can you repeat the options? Sure. Okay, again, the Can question. Can you repeat D a couple times? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which of the following does not espouse a significant role for input? A, sociocultural theory. B, universal grammar. C, usage-based theories. D, the international superstar and diva theory of input processing. I'm getting silence from you, <laughs> Amanda. Yeah, I'm... I'm torn between A and B because I see input being involved in each, but to different levels. Uh, I'm going to go B. You sure? No. (laughs) (laughs) You want to think this one through, Amanda? Amanda, are you sure you're able to answer this question? Are you able to answer? Amanda? What'd you say? A. A, A social. Okay. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Sociocultural theory. Um, we knew so, you had it in you. Yeah. Sociocultural theory, which is an important theory in educational circles, is, is not a theory about language acquisition per se, and it doesn't talk about the creation of language in the head so much. I mean, it does talk about other things. I mean, they would argue with me, but it doesn't really. Um, and they're more concerned about explicit language learning than they are about acquisition. So um, right. it, has, it, it really downplays it. And the universal grammar, you're, you're, you're thinking about B, there's a certain way you can talk about universal grammar downplaying input, but actually you can't have language acquisition in universal grammar without. theory without input. So, okay, good. Okay, final question, number three. You ready? You got your coasters. Now you're on your way to a tote bag. Okay. Okay, um, input is a necessary ingredient for language acquisition, but... Dot, dot, dot. A, it doesn't guarantee acquisition. B, learners can bypass it through explicit instruction. C, only practice makes perfect. D, garlic powder will do in a pinch. (laughs) It doesn't guarantee acquisition. So you're saying A, it doesn't guarantee acquisition? Right. Ding, ding, ding. All right, Amanda, you, you won your tote bag and your coasters. And what's your name again, Amanda? What's your name My again, name? Amanda? <laughs> it's Amanda. Amanda, yes, Amanda. How many how many yeah. vowels are there in Amanda? Three. And what are those vowels? A. And? All of the answers for A. Uh-huh. Three A's correctly. in your name uh. and three answers. <laughs> I did that. I, I, I was could. psychic. I knew you were going to call Amanda. <laughs> is that not weird? That is very weird. Is that not the weirdest thing in the world? I might have to apply this theory to all of my multiple choice tests from this point forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Amanda. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for playing. And um, Emma will be uh, taking, uh, Emma has already, I think, got all your information. So uh, we were going to just thank you. And you'll be getting your prize in the mail soon.
Okay. Well, good for you. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Amanda. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. She was trying to fool us. She she did a thesis and everything. She knew all her stuff backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. That's good, though. That's good. All right. Um, Anything? Angelica, speaking of A's, Amanda. Yes. Angelica, why is Mixler so quiet? Over there, quiet. Is there anything on Mixler happening? Oh, people are discussing like crazy. They've talked about. Tell um, us what they're saying. I wonder, are they talking about me behind my back? Always. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I'm, thing, I'm not going to tell you what they're Good thing I'm wearing my lift-my-butt jeans so I look good from the back. <laughs> they're talking about me behind my back. I want to look good from the back. No, I mean, there is a healthy conversation going on, but nobody's asking questions. Well, just say one, one, one just give us one idea from their conversation. Oh, but so you we, can't really consolidate. Oh. They talk about difference between first language acquisition. I can't even talk. Second language acquisition. I can't talk today. What is this? The difference between children acquiring languages, first and second languages. So there is a lot going on. Brain research, I mean, we've covered it all on Mixler today. Oh, my gosh. What about the question of the role of the instructor is the most recent question. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to come back to that one because we have some more quotes on that that I think we can uh, – Justin's got on the on the email page. So we'll come – actually, let's go to that right now. What, Justin, the, the role of the instructor, we have a couple more – don't we have a more, some more ideas about the role of instructor and what people are saying? We, we have plenty. We have, uh, we have this one from, from Ellie. This is a direct response to the question, how do you sum up the instructor's role in one tweet – Ellie says, input provider, output supporter. And she adds, Riley, I'm sure, also inevitably assessor and pencil haver. Pencil haver, (laughs) yes, because nobody ever has a pencil haver. Haver. No. Haver. (laughs) Haver, pencil haver, pencil a haver, pencil a haver, have a pencil. But this idea, input provider, output supporter, what do you think of that? Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, Input provider, yes. And output supporter in the sense that, again, you're structuring interaction. That's appropriate level. That's how you support anybody's output. Um, You don't just say, here, speak. You structure it and support it so that it's appropriate for what they can do at that point in time. Yeah, I like that. I like that. An, okay, we have another question. Oh, wait a minute. I, I had one that you don't have. Um, oh, Justin's oh. got some. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, no, because we have our private sec- uh, secret Gmail account. And, you know, even though you're my lovely and talented um, guest host. Walter ho- Standen. Guest host today. No, the two of you are my lovely, talented right. guest hosts. Um, we can't give you our password to the email because then we'd have to, like, change the password. And mm-hmm. I can't even remember this one. So, okay. So I'll read this real quick. Um, and this goes back to actually something earlier that we said. It says, question, do you have any video or lesson plan examples for communicative language teaching? I have a good understanding from the podcast what it's not and what it should be in theory, but I'm still struggling to understand what it looks like. A- and the reason I bring that up, let me just say again what the person says. Do you have any video or lesson plan examples for communicative language teaching? Well, first of all, there, there are some on on YouTube, you can find things, but you have to pick, you have to be careful because not all of them that claim to be communicative are really communicative. Um, and so, even though you say you have a good understanding from the podcast and what it's n- is what it's not, um, you say you're struggling to understand it. Um, th- that again goes back to the idea that there are so few models out there. I mean, in an ideal world, you should be able to go across the hallway and see somebody teach, see somebody's class, and see what a communicative classroom looks like, right? Um, I personally don't have any video models or anything. I mean, we regularly videotape people's classes and stuff, but I always had teachers in training so that, you know, I, w- I don't want to release their videos and stuff. Um, but you might, I know Carol has um, a summer conference 
that she runs that um, I'll let her mention in a minute. Um, there's all the time um, at ACTFL, at your local state organizations, um, and at AATSP in the summer. I don't know what language this person teaches. This is a Robert. Um, but AATSP in the summer, we have our um, sessions. You can always find some good sessions that help you with this. Um, Carol, do you want to just... I, can I add real quick to that? Sure, there, are these, there are those public conferences, but if you can find someone in your building, in your district to, to visit free of charge. Well, that's what I just said. Yeah. That, that you should be able, to, in their ideal world, you should be able to walk across the hallway and see someone teaching communicatively. But this person, I'm wondering if that person has access to that. Mm. Right. It goes back to earlier what I said, are there models out there? My guess is that for most teachers out there, there aren't very many models they can just go down the hallway and see. In an ideal world, that's what we want to see. Um, so, um, you know what we might do, Robert, is we might do a little research on this. I'm going to ask Emma to, to do a little, we're, we're going to do a little YouTube combing this week, and then we might put some things up on our site in the resource center to see if we can find two or three videos that exemplify things. I know Eric, for example, um, Eric Harmon from Massachusetts has some things up um, yeah, he has from his, videos his classes, yeah. from his TPRS classes and stuff yeah. that shows one kind of communicable language teaching, and there are different kinds. Um, maybe Walter and I can put some things up from our classes. We'll see. Um, Carol, tell me about the conference in the summer that you host, because that's I, I, and guess who's going to be there this summer? The diva, the international superstar. <laughs> uh huh. And Stephen his, Stephen Krashen. And his side and his sidekick <laughs> Stephen Krashen. <laughs> yes, Stephen, I'm going to be there. So tell tell me real quick about the conference. Okay, Let's so uh, this conference is just a little bit different um, than most because we have live language classes going on with real students, elementary through high school, and part of the conference and and the the purpose of it is so that you can see a model of what communicative language teaching looks like. So woven into the schedule is specific observation time for you to actually go and see different strategies and different styles and different ways to teach communicatively for the purpose that, yes, actually has a purpose of, you know, communication and um, facilitating acquisition of, you know, some useful language so that students can come up communicating. And so that's the IFLT conference in Chattanooga. International Forum on Language Teaching, and yes, our divas, Stephen Krashen and BVP, will be there, and so um, you'll, you'll have to bring your swag to that event, because we do have a special book signing and selfie session with the divas. Yeah, and we'll do so. <laughs> and you can see lots of good examples of things there. I know it's, uh, sometimes it's expensive to go to a conference and drag yourself out of your house and so on, but What's good about doing that, let me just put a plug in for these conferences, is you get to network with people and you make lifelong friends. And so sure, you can go to a video and see something, but then you don't really know anybody. But if you meet Carol, you meet Justin, you meet me, you meet Walt, you meet people, and then you can contact these people. You create a network of people you can interact with and find things out and share resources with and so on. So um, to the extent that you can, you can find it in, in, in your pocketbook and in your time. To, uh, to go to one of these conferences. I, I strongly recommend it. It's just great for getting out there meeting like-minded people who have the same questions in you, as you and other experts out there who are doing things that you want to see um, that you can network with. So it's, I, I strongly recommend it. All right. I have a question. Angelic has a question. Is that why there's a little thing over your head with a little question mark? Yes. It's there like, is. That's like one of those TV commercials for, for one of those, what do you call it, one of those drug companies where there's something following somebody around. Have you seen oh, that yeah, latest yeah. one, that woman with the sleep problems? She's got those two different oh, things yeah, yeah, following yeah. her around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? What, what is, what, 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 I don't even know what company that is. There that, is one, though, that has a stomach problem who's 
dragging her. her it, it's very bizarre. That one's weird. But it, there's right? this, yeah. but there's this one woman who has she has the and I don't like this. She has the white and the dark little animal fuzzy things. Yeah. One lets her sleep and one doesn't. Ugh. That is a whole genre of car- cartoonified yeah. ailments. Yeah. I don't know what the what the deal is. I that. think it's because some of them are so bad. Like the one she's talking about, the um, the IBS. Is it? Irritable, irritable <laughs> bowel uh, yeah, syndrome. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's disturbing. They cartoonify your bowels, and that poor dragon around. And the other ones, that woman who has got to go to the bathroom all the time, so her bladder's following her and pulling her to the bathroom, or the guy's pulling. I can, tell, can I ask my question, please? Ask your question, please. Thank you. This is from Twitter. Is actually not my question. It's Christy's question. Hey, Christy. Can you clarify? No, I, I plus one is still very comprehensible, right? Just slightly beyond ability to produce for students. I'm sorry, say that again, what? I plus one is still very comprehensible. Is that correct? So it's just slightly beyond the ability to produce for the student. I plus one I thought was more about not so much what they can produce, but about what they comprehend easily. So what they comprehend easily would be the I, and then you just kind of go a little bit slightly beyond it, so you challenge them to pay attention so that they're getting new stuff, new words, and they're not that they're struggling, but there's like, oh, I didn't quite get that, but you know, and then they... Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the plus one is about. Not about what they produce, but what they actually understand. You guys remember the, the episode at Actful when, when Steve Krashen was a guest and he said that his greatest, uh, his greatest triumph was I plus one because no one understands what it means yeah. and it keeps getting him, getting him gigs <laughs> and getting him articles. Right, right, right. Because if that were true, that, that would be P plus one, production plus a level, or O plus one, output plus one. But I, pl- I refers to the, the actual input itself, which means you're comprehending. So it has to do with your level of comprehension. So if if... For example, I'm like zero in Japanese, right? So when Megan Smith, my student, wants to talk to me in Japanese, she's got to talk to me at like a one, two-word level, things that, you know, I can understand. Um, and that would be my I plus one. Forget about what I can produce. That's that's irrelevant. So anyway, so hope I answered, answered that question. Okie dokies. We have, uh, do we have a caller on the phone? I can't quite tell. My board is lighting up, but it's not quite clear to me what it's lighting up about. Well, and I do have another question then. Well, ask, um, ask me another question we say in Chicago. We say ask me. Um, what are three top strategies that are best practices for delivering input? In order. Delivering input, I would wow, say FedEx, order. number one, <laughs> UPS, and then the United States Post Office third. That would be my three delivery Really? Don't methods. you think the German Postal Office will be more efficient than the U.S. Postal Service? <laughs> well, that's if you want German input. I'm talking, about, okay. I'm talking about North Got American it. input. Sorry. Yeah, so that's what I would go. FedEx for delivery, followed by UPS for delivery, U.S. Post Office last. You're so, so funny. But, but <laughs> so read the question again. What are three top strategies that are best practices for delivering input? Well, first of all, I don't like the term delivering input. See, we can't get rid of some of this image, again, of, of teachers doing, delivering things and causing things and teaching things. Um, and so I, 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 don't, I don't know if there's, I don't know if I can come up with three strategies. I Could really we say d- interacting with input? Would you like that? What yeah. if we had three strategies for interacting with input? Well, three, well, three strategies for, for, I don't know, for creating, for creating an environment. I don't know what we'd yeah, like to call go. it. Yeah, creating a... Creating an input-oriented environment, yeah. an input-rich classroom. Yeah, cre- strategies for creating an input-rich classroom. That I'd buy. Okay, so like what that. are three strategies? Okay, well, TPRS is one of them. Okay, okay so um, other other things are simply tasks in which the student, like you're going to see this tomorrow when you go to, I'm sub- subbing for Walter tomorrow, so they're going to learn everything about my family tomorrow, They're my extended family. It's just bizarre. Um, so the, the task is, by the end of this class, you will be able to say 10 things about my family you didn't know. 
And, but they're not going to do very much talking. The first 35, 40 minutes of class, they're going to do nothing but interact with my input and doing things and so on. Um, and so, but there's a task there at the end that they're going to, knowledge that they have to get by the end of the class. So, so it's establishing knowledge goals that so you're going to know five things or 10 things. Or you're going to be able to do this, you're going to be able to do that. And then using input to get them there. Um, th so that's, that's a broad strategy in a sense of, of, of that. Um, and other than that, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I mean, because I just, you just, Find out what it is that people want to know about and talk about, and you go in and you do it. Well, what about what you did today? Yeah. How about using a, a level-appropriate movie or video and yeah, breaking it up that. into segments? We did that, and we also had a signature search activity that was... But see, I consider those part of this broader thing of, of those are little techniquey things that are part of a bigger strategy. I maybe I don't understand what a strategy is. So let me take Christy's call first because we're getting late. We've only got five minutes left, and I want to make sure Christy gets her call in. Christy, you on the line? Yes, though. I think you misunderstood my question on Twitter, so I had to call. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I did so understand. So when I was asking about I plus one, um, my feeling is that I plus one means the teacher provides input that is slightly beyond the student's ability to produce. And I, I was having a Twitter conversation recently, and I was getting the impression that um, there are a lot of teachers who think that if you're providing comprehensible input to students, that you're speaking to students in baby language. You're making it very comprehensible because you're speaking baby language. And my understanding is with I plus one, and the, the I plus one was brought up as evidence that not all the language needs to be comprehensible. And my understanding was, well, they can still comprehend I plus one, but it's just beyond the student's ability to produce. Am I, am I on the right track with that? Not according to my understanding of what I plus one is. I, I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is to I plus one and students' production, but my understanding with I plus one is the plus one means that the input contains things that are beyond their current level. And the, the thing about I plus one is that Steve never defined what really was what we mean by current level. Is it the mental representation in their head? Mm -hmm. Is it what they can produce, or is it what they can actually understand with ease? And I take it to be the third one. Because um, because you you'd have to I mean you really would be you would be speaking terribly funny with input if it was about what they could produce, right? Okay, because right. think because think, think, think of it this way: <laughs> a student in in my first week of Spanish class knows no Spanish. At best, they can do see no, and they know one word. Right. So what's the I plus one I mean? I can only speak in two word sentences. Because that's so. My question no, then is: No, but they can understand is more. I plus one still comprehensible. Yes, yes, it is. Can it I is. ask you: okay. Is this? Is this? Would you think this would be an example of I plus one? You brought up Brandon Brown wants a dog. Right. So within that level one read, um, Brandon Brown wants a dog. At one point, his mother says, "Now, Brandon, I want that you go to the bathroom." In other words, it triggers the subjunctive. Right. So quiere que vaya. Uh -huh. And now, obviously, we know that's beyond their level of production or comprehension at that point, but within the context of the story, it does become comprehensible to them. So would quiere un perro wants a dog, then introducing wants that he go, would that be a possible instance of I plus one? Well, see, I wouldn't want to tag it into something like particular structures because I don't believe in structures that way. I don't believe well, those kinds of things. I'm just talking as an example. Yeah. Something concrete to think about as I plus one. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, though. We're going to have to curtail this conversation because I just looked at the clock and I'm getting the flag. We've got like a minute and a half left and I got to do all my acknowledgements. So my answer is no. 
<laughs> I like it. So let me there do my acknowledgements. Christy, Christy, I'm hanging up on you because I got to run through my acknowledgements right, so fast. Thank We're you. gonna. God, wow! Well, Thanks just, for calling, but Christy. But that was a, that yes, was a great you. question, and so oh, we'll have to let's it's be like Bill Maher. We'll do this on overtime, HBO overtime. Okay, so um, let's just do our acknowledgments, do our thank yous. Um, we want to thank Daniel Trago, who's behind the screen there, our technical producer, our media producer Luca Giapponi for all his great posts, our talented and trusty call handler and intern Emma Dunn, our wonderful assistant production manager Jeff Maloney back there, our most excellent, excellent, excellent people at the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA. Dustin DeFelice is off today. Um, the College of Arts and Letters, and as a reminder, I always tell people this, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we want to thank all of you listeners out there. Okay, next week, we're back to principles, and we're going to be talking about tasks. Why tasks and not exercises are the center of your curriculum. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great next week. And happy second language acquisition to everybody. Goodbye. And thanks, thanks to everybody. Justin and Carol. Thank thanks you. for having us. <laughs> <laughs>